So if you were to define a good week versus a bad week, um, I don't know, would you go on a scale from 1 to 10? If you had a good week at 6, 7, would that be a good week? Um, every week's, uh, every week, every day <laughs> has its own set of, of problems, uh, challenges. Jesus said, um, basically in Matthew 6, that we weren't, are not really supposed to worry about tomorrow. Didn't he say something to the fact, uh, because tomorrow will take care of itself, Right? And that doesn't mean we should never plan or look ahead. I think what he's basically saying that is, is each day has enough trouble of, of its own. It's easy to get overwhelmed and seeing all the oh all this all this and this and this and this, and all of a sudden you're finding yourself exhausted, and you need to take a breath. And your your secret your your strength the secret to your strength is your is your quiet time with the Lord. And you breathe in, and you breathe out, and you receive from the Lord, and you talk to the Lord what you're concerned about. You talk to the Lord about what's troubling you. You talk to the Lord about what you're concerned about. The fact of the matter is, Jesus is just more concerned about those things than you could ever imagine is absolutely involved with our thought lives. He wants to be. Now, the enemy wants to come and sow seeds of discord or sow seeds of doubt, if he can, sow seeds of fear. But God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of sound love and a, and a, and a good mind. And another verse is, perfect love casts out fear. And so that song we sing, no longer slaves to fear. What am I afraid of? What is bothering me? What am I concerned about? Before we get into uh, any more, I'm going I'm to open my text so I can get you going in the right direction. And some of you will be very familiar. You have this underlined and you have this memorized in James chapter 1. How many know that by heart, at least in part? Yeah, you've been there many times because it has probably helped you, encouraged you. Either that or it's made you kind of mad because how in the world can you have joy at the same time being in a trial? It's a challenge. So last week we were talking a little bit about our faith, a little bit about faith, what it is, defining it, trying to... You know, Hebrews 11.1, 1, just describing how that uh, faith is the substance of things hopeful. Assurance of things not. It's a conviction that something God has told you is going to happen, is going to take place, because you're convinced that what God says is true. God's promises are always anchors. God's word to us is a foundation in which we can build on. In the uncertainty of this world, wow, what a treasure we have in the word of God that we can turn to and see this is what God says in the midst of all the other chaotic kinds of voices that are happening. You know, the thing that we have to guard the most is what is God saying to you? 
treasure that. Long for it. Pursue it. Make time for God. Faith, in this chapter, we'll call it faith tested. Faith that is tested. I don't like tests. Never have, never will. Even in school, that was my least favorite. Didn't do well in tests. Because probably didn't study enough. Didn't like to study, so that's therefore tests were ugly. So I, I had to get better at it. I had to work at it. Tests are necessary for us to grow. So first of all, it's not a whether if you're going to have trials. It's a matter of when you're going to have trials. But it's not that we should go around looking for trials because trials will come anyway, right? You don't have to plan trials in your life, right? The fact of the matter is because you're in life, you're in the world. Jesus said, you will have trouble in the world. But he said also, I have overcome the world. And so our advantage, our hope is that even if it costs trials, we have a perspective on it that the non-believer doesn't have. That the Lord himself understands trial, he understands pain, he understands conflict, and he's going to walk with you. How many want the Lord when you're in a trial? Amen? How many need the Lord when you're in a trial? Now listen, the the, the problem is we, we, we tend, we, and it's not a bad thing, but it, it's, it, it can become something we have to guard against, that we only pray hard when we're in a trial. And we, we, we're human, right? We're te- we have a tendency to, well, Lord, if you get me out of this, you know, then I will serve you. And in our human, in our human strength, we say, well, things are getting better now. It's okay. We just kind of, um, you know, it's easier to slack a little bit. Hey, Paul said rejoice in the Lord always, didn't he? That's a discipline. There are days, I will admit, I do not feel like rejoicing. There are moments in trials I do not feel like rejoicing. But I notice this. If I will begin to rejoice no matter how I feel, I begin to praise the Lord. I begin to thank the Lord. And even if it starts small, even if it starts a little bit, and I begin to verbalize, I begin to express gratitude. I begin to focus on what God has done, what he's going to do, and what he wants to do. I begin to lift him up and look to him. I begin to feel myself getting feeling better because God himself inhabits the praises of his people. So one of your strongest weapons when you're in a trial is to look to God and begin to praise him. I don't necessarily believe that we have to thank him for the trial, although though though there are people that will thank God for the trial because they understand it is taking them to another level. But I kind of have a tendency, I will thank God anyway. I will try to work at praising God in spite of, and I had one of those moments the other morning. Remember when I talked last Sunday about having faith when you get into your automobile that it would start? And lo and behold, often what I preach on, I'm tested on. And so I get into this truck of mine, 
not necessarily the newest thing around town. What in the world? Feathered it, did choked, did it, did it, did it, did it. Not happening. What in the world? And Cody, my son, was there. We were going to use it to haul his firewood and so forth. You know, you're just really, you're just, you just, why does this have to happen now? And so you're, you're going through the process. Finally, the hood opens, the, the air cleaner comes off, and we're looking in there. What is going on? <sighs> Cody, get in it and try, and I'll push the butterfly over. No, you know what? That, it fired. What in the world? So God helped us, but it was a moment of frustration, to be honest. I wasn't doing that great inside. It's a test of my patience. You know, sometimes just the littlest things, and come on now, the littlest things sometimes can get to us. A moment of frustration. Oh, you've never had them? How many had one this morning? Well, now, now I'm really getting personal. Listen, we are not going to be exempt from tests. And that was just a little thing. But I'm talking trials. Some of the hardest trials are relational. Family, breakdown, conflict, hurts, you know, bitterness, resentment. The word of the Lord, the psalmist said, and I got a, I got a, you know, Psalm 100. And, uh, I'm getting ahead of the of my uh, notes a little bit, but I think it was Psalm 109 that described how the psalmist said, "In return for my love, this is what he's saying. In return for my love, they act as my accusers." In other words, he's saying. I've shown my love. I've reached out to these guys. And they turn on me. And they're my accusers. But he ends it with, but, but, I am in prayer. There's a secret. Rather than letting it begin to consume him and take over his, his whole Wreck his whole day, wreck his whole month, wreck his whole year, wreck his whole life. He began to transfer the problem to the Lord. Amen? Why should we try to fight the battle by ourselves? Why do we try to, try to fix things by ourselves? And so we go back to James 1 and read at verse 2. This is our text. Consider it. All joy, what? When you encounter various trials. Notice various. Your trial is important to God. You know, one of the things that kind of doesn't seem fair is you're trying to share your trial with somebody and and they're not thinking, okay? I'm setting up a scenario here. You're going on about what happened, and, and then the person says, well, you think that's bad. <laughs> I, I've had friends like, well, you think that's bad. Oh, that's nothing. So what this, this said to you is your trial is nothing compared to what I'm going through. 
Have you ever had that happen in a sense? God says, your trial, he, he listens. He listens to your heart. Because he cares and he cares all about your trial just as much as someone else's trial. Your trial, if it's big in your own estimation, it concerns our Lord. And so a verse that says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials doesn't mean that one trial is necessarily, it seems in our list that it could be worse than another. But he goes on and says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So all the, the word here is the reason for trials. So point one, why trials? Why, would, why do we have to have trials? Is so that we can get stronger. Why do we, why do we have to in, uh, get our endurance up? Why do, we, why do we have to get stronger in the Lord? Listen, the battle is going on. Listen, the Israelites were trained... And they, God brought them into the promised land little by little. He did not just hand the promised land over to them, but they learned how to rely on God, especially in the battlefield. They would have to pray. They needed to pray. So often when they prayed, ask God, God would give the yes or no. Yes or no. In other words, they begin to lean at God. Is this to go forward? You see what the trial, what the trial is doing to us is we begin to search. Is this, are you in this, God? Or is this the devil trying to trick me up again? Is this the devil? Are we, are we, are we reading this right? And so we begin to learn how to discern what it is that God is trying to say to us during the trial. And one of the hardest trials... And I faced this with my own family last year, a young 25-year-old great-nephew was taken, uh, rolled his truck, driving very quickly, fast. We don't don't understand if he voided a deer, uh, rolled many times, killed 25 years old. It's a horrendous uh, question, why? We, 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 We question, why? A young man in the prime of his life. We all have questions. Why? Why was that person? Why did he get terminal cancer? Why did he? Why? Because we're in a world that has fallen. I can only try to answer. But I know this. I don't always have the answers. And I come to be okay with that. I don't have all the answers. But I must seek the one who does. In the very act that I'm seeking the one who has the answers gives me an assurance that I'm going to know the answer someday. And that some, for some reason, the life that I have to go on, though it may be hard going on without a loved one, going, out, going on and you grieve, let yourself grieve. When the scripture says that we grieve, uh, not as the world grieves, but we grieve, we have hope. It's a different grieving than one that doesn't know the Lord that they'll have any hope. Listen, we have a loving Savior that understands our pain. Very much so, He is acquainted with our sorrow. He is acquainted with our grief. 
He is acquainted. He took upon himself all the sin and all the chastisement, all the scorning, all the process of, of, of leading up to the cross. And therefore, how can we have joy? Because we consider it all joy, my brethren, when we are, are tested, when we are encountering various trials, that this test somehow will be looked past it. Someday we'll be stronger for some reason. Trials help me identify with other people better. Boy, I've had countless people I've noticed who've had, you know, maybe a little uh, something going on. They're walking with a limp. And I just want to go over to them and say, how are you doing? And maybe did did something happen? You know, why is that? Because I have had a, a bit of a trial. And so now I'm able to, I recognize people who maybe are wearing a boot. Or going with a crutch, they stick out to me. I'm drawn to them. And so therefore, trials somehow are helping me become more sincere, more uh, concerned, more sensitive is a good word, to others around me. So I can be a better person in the Lord. I don't like trials. But they may be necessary. Listen, if you ever thought as you read First Peter one six, why does he say, as Peter writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse one, chapter one, verse six, First Peter, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary. You have been distressed by various trials. Wow. Is it necessary? You might want to ask the Lord, is this really necessary? And the Lord may say, trust me. That's may, he may, that's a may, that may be the only thing he says. He may not give you the answer, but he will say to you, trust me. I will take you through this. I will help you go further than you ever thought you could. I will be with you always, even through the shadow and the valley of the shadow of death. And so we look at this. We look at the word endurance. Wow. Endurance. How many think you can endure quite a bit? Not too many. How many know the Lord can help you endure more than yourself, right? There's another word that's similar, and it has to do with uh, the word perseverance. What does that look like? In other words, when you don't have the strength, we feel like you, this, is, this is just, I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can, I don't know what to do, Lord. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Remember the word prayer? The psalmist said, Accusers, the ones whom I loved, are accusing me, but I am in prayer. What is it about prayer that we then we begin to understand? We talk to God about our trouble. 
And we relate to God because he is there to hear us. And not only hear us, but there to, to pick us up in, in spite of how we're feeling, to begin to pour into us a new uh, presence, a new refreshing. As we wait upon the Lord, the scripture says in Isaiah, that we shall gain new strength. We shall mount up with wings as eagles. We shall be renewed. We can have, uh, we, we don't have to have all the answers, but when we touched the hem of the garment, when we pressed into the presence of the Lord, as Hebrews says, come boldly, come into his throne room in a time of need. There's grace for when you press in and you, he's touched you, you all of a sudden it's, it's going to be okay. You may, have, you may not know what you're going to say to the family, but you know you can love them and you're going to stand beside them. You're going to believe in them because God has spoken into your life. But I am in prayer. The scripture said that we can cast all our cares upon him. First Peter 5, 6 and 7, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him. Because he cares for you. This very scripture itself deals with our inner man, our, our spirit man, what's on our heart. Sometimes we feel, for whatever reason, a load on our hearts. We can get bogged down like you're like me and begin to take on uh, concerns, begin to take on uh, responsibility begin to carry them in my own strength. Well, wait a minute. I cannot do this in my own. I cannot be a father like I need to be a father without the Lord. I cannot uh, be uh, uh, a husband like I need to be without the Lord. You see how it works? I must fuel my reservoir and my inner man. And without him, I begin to shrink and begin to f- feel mechanical you may know what to say but if it's not coming from within the conviction of the heart there's a difference we know we we, we even may know what the, we may quote a scripture and um, to be honest we can quote scripture but without focusing and thinking about it and letting it work and meditating on it we can even get Sort of, of, a, of a casual, kind of casual. But we have to press in. You see, what we have, God is concerned about is that we put muscle on our spirit, man. We're putting strength. We're, we're strengthening the inner man. You know, one of those verses that Paul described, that is inner man in Corinthians, he's talked about it. Though the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day. That verse was a verse that my sister-in-law had underlined prior to her short life. She passed at 40, 40 years old. Uh, she had severe diabetic thing going on. But she was a, a doer. And she had a private relationship. She had a, she had a walk with the Lord. Um, my brother uh, opened her Bible and that verse was underlined. She knew that her life was, wasn't going to be long. But she was determined to live life until it was over. And she did not give up. 
her most concern, her treasures were her two adopted daughters. And she got to see them grow up and uh, go on and into their young lives. But you just never know what people are walking around carrying. Isn't it interesting? It seems like people who have been through the fire, who have been through the stuff that's very difficult, if they have the Lord and they learn to seek God, they become one of the most inspirational people because of what God has done in their life. They become an inspiration. They become a, an encouragement to so many other people. And you wonder, what's their secret? And you wonder how they got to where they are now. It was necessary. If it's necessary, Peter said, you have been distressed by various trials. But Lord, we wonder how much is enough when we have days. How much more can I take? How much more, how much more running, how much more pursuing? Listen, it will not be over until he calls us. And until he calls us, we must keep pressing toward the mark. Secondly, besides why trials, what should we do in trials? Well, we talked about prayer. We talked about the psalmist who prayed. We talked about humbling ourselves but what about this for, for thinking? If you're not in a trial right now, you probably can think of someone who is, right? So if you're not in trial now, someone else around you or in your life is going through some other, somewhat of a trial or some kind of, of testing. So what we need to do... what. What we should do then is be, be not become slack because if we're not in a trial, we have the, we have also now a ministry to care for one another, right? And so we're 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 to be sensitive because we have trials. Now we're made more sensitive to other people who are going through things. First Corinthians one four reads like this: "Who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that." we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you get that? That's a lot of stuff right there. Basically, boil it down. Because of God's comforting you, because God does comfort us in trial, sometimes God just wants to hold us. And let us let us know that he's there. Just let him hold. Let him hold you. Sometimes you just need to cry. Cry out to the Lord. You see, that's a comfort to know that he understands. It's one thing when someone has an answer, but it's a different thing when someone understands. They get it. They connect. They've listened and they, their heart actually hurts with you. As a weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. It's not saying, well, get over it, friend, and uh, you'll have a better day tomorrow. It's saying, no, talk, tell me more. What's going on? Help me understand. Help me to, how, how should I pray? 
That's a good question. How should, how should we pray about this? Let's pray together. Let's bear each other's burdens. So it, it's a, a, a constant thing around us in the church family. Not to mention the world, but the church body is full of tribulation, right? Not the great tribulation yet. That's not for the church. I don't believe that. But there is tribulation. Why should we have tribulation now? Because we live in a fallen world, right? Why do we have sickness? Because we live in a fallen world. And so therefore, we, we, are, we are in need of understanding what is our hope. So if death should come for the believer, guess what? It's our doorway to eternal life. It's our access to his presence. So when Paul was describing whether I stay, right, or whether I go to be with him, whether in death or in life, I want to glorify him. So all the way to the end, Paul kept up the attitude, I've fought the good fight. When it was getting close to the end, he had no regrets for pursuing his God, for carrying out the ministry that he was called to, for the pain that he went through. Have you ever read Paul's diary a bit? You know, his his letter to Corinth. You read some of the stuff that he went through? You know, just for example, he's hungry, he was exposed, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten so many, 49 times, how many times? He was, all this stuff that was happening to him. You wonder why the guy did just quit. What, what are you? Are you human? Well, he was human, but he was spirit-filled. The God himself, the Holy Spirit, he was just a vessel. But he was surrendered, and he was sold out. And in Galatians, he writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. What is he saying? My life is not mine. The life that I live now, I live by faith in the one who loved me, delivered himself up for me. What a way to live. Crucified. He said, I die daily. Jesus said to take up your cross to follow him. And listen, it's not that we go around hanging our heads. Because I see Paul, though he was persecuted, he had a song in his heart. See, it was about midnight when Paul and Silas had been locked up. Remember that story? I mean, they were were in prison, probably had some stalks around their necks. I believe it was Silas that said, Hey, Paul, we should sing. Don't you like those guys that you're sitting in the mud and you're stuck? And they say, Well, let's just just stop and sing. You know, that doesn't... that kills your flesh right there. I mean, that 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 brings you to your knees when you when you when you have, you have to be willing to do it though. But what it does, it puts in perspective. So you know the story. They begin to sing. They said they begin to sing hymns. So they, we don't know what it was. We they didn't have amazing grace then. They didn't. You know, they just sang what they knew. That was the word. Probably some of the some of the words and psalms, perhaps. But they sang. 
And most, greatest of all, God showed up in their praise time. What happened? You remember the story. An earthquake shakes the place. The jailer's afraid for his life. He's ready to take his life. And Paul said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And they were now all ready. The chains were gone. And the jailer said, what, what did he see? The jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Whatever you have, how can I get it? You see, when you're squeezed and when you're in trial, you never know who's watching on, looking on, how you're responding and how your faith is remaining in the Lord. In spite of what you're going through, you still trust God. Job, another example. The wife gave up on the whole situation, right? Job, he says, why don't you just curse God? Why don't you just give it up? That would be foolish. And Job was determined that I will trust God. Wow. What should we do in trial? Pray. Rejoice. There's another thing we need to do. It's to reach out to a brother and sister whom you can trust, who you have uh, respect for, and you know they'll pray, and they know you know they will help encourage you. I believe there's a part in the body of Christ a responsibility to carry one another's burdens. And how can we pass the test? We can only pass it with the help of our Lord, as we humble ourselves and look past our trials to the treasure. We have to look past the trial and see what is, what is it God may be wanting after we get through this. So there's a treasure. Listen, there is a reward for your suffering. There is a reward for your faithfulness in spite of the stuff that you're going through. Here's, a, here's one of the stories that... I marvel every time I read it when Jesus was having a conversation with Peter. And Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Wow. But I have prayed for you. Listen, how you're going to pass the test is because Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding. He ever lives. He's not just sitting around in heaven uh, commanding the workers to keep building, you know, whatever they're doing and building and building and getting ready. He is in the role of intercession for the church. He ever lives. And Romans describes, he, he prays for the saints. He says to the to the and to the disciples in John's Gospel 17, when he was praying his prayer prior to the, uh, the uh, leading up to the, the garden and, and the crucifixion, he asked the Lord, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. In other words, he knows they're going to go through trial. The prayer is that they remain strong. The way we're going to pass the test is the way Jesus passed the test. And Jesus died to himself way before he got to the, to the cross.
Remember the garden? He agonized. He poured out his heart. He broke. But he was he was ready. He gave his life. He gave himself up. I don't believe the soldiers took his life. They mutilated his body, but he gave himself up for us. And so he passed the test, as the writer of Hebrews describes, for the joy set before him. Despising the shame, he suffered. And he looked beyond the suffering to connect with all eternity. Remember when he told Peter, or or not Peter, but uh, doubting Thomas, we call him. Thomas wasn't in the room when Jesus came, and Thomas came later, and Thomas was having a hard time believing, really, is the Lord really back to life? And Jesus saw him, and their eyes connected. And Thomas broke, and he melted. And he said, Blessed are those who believe, who have not seen me, Listen, though we have not seen him, the scriptures say we are going to be like him. We don't know what it's all going to be like, but we're going to be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. If death should come, we know there is eternal life in Christ Jesus. All the, all the vets that gave their life, we think about it over Memorial Day, we give, we give honor in your way. But all the people in your life, your loved ones who have gone on before you in the Lord are waiting and going to be cheering you on when you come in. I believe this. I don't necessarily know if they can see now. And I, 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 can't, I can't answer that unless the Lord allows it. But in the Hebrews it says there's a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. In other words, there's a lot of people that have given much for the cause of Christ. And therefore, if they were willing to give their lives, all the disciples were martyred. We know John, he lived to be a long time, but he was tortured too. He was left for dead on the island of Patmos. But listen, when I think about the pioneers and the people who broke ground, who did what they had to do to get to this land, So somehow they could have an expression of freedom in their faith. We have much to be thankful for. Can we believe God today that we're going to be stronger? Can we believe that we're going to be strong when we are weak? Because God himself is working.